Somebody once told me this is Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are finishing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamond is Unbreakable with episodes 37 through 39. Man, whenever I get to this point, I mean, I think like, man, I don't want this to end yet. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like another 15 episodes. I don't know. But what an, what an ending it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're starting off with episode 37, Shining D, Diamond is Unbreakable. <laughs> I don't know why it's in parentheses, Diamond. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shining Diamond is Unbreakable, and it immediately kicks off with where we last, uh, left off last time. Kira is explaining his, his luck and yeah. revealing the, the watch in his breast pocket that saved his life. And yeah, it's we got Hayato thinking like, oh man, everything's fucked up again. None of this is working out. <laughs> so he runs away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Kira slams his little yellow hat down on his head one last time. There, there's also a bit where Kira just goes to like backhand Hayato across the face, but it's just like, oh, my stand's going to protect you. <laughs> And yeah, so he begins gloating a bit how, you know, everything's predetermined and Rohan's about to blow up. Mm -hmm, Who mm -hmm. did you kill last time? It's I bet you killed like everybody last time. Maybe I'll just, you know, let that happen and then undo it and then they'll just they'll undo bites the dust and they'll just be permanently dead and it'll be great he he reasons that th this sort of planning required a lot of loops to get to this point which must mean mm -hmm. a lot of dead people <laughs> <laughs> yeah hayato like he falls to the ground and he starts uh, essentially just kind of stalling for time a little bit <laughs> <laughs> a thing he does not have yeah telling kira that like hey i haven't told anybody about you this time around uh, all I did was, uh, I phoned a friend, basically, <laughs> uh, because this, this current loop that we're on, Hayato answered that phone call that was just a, you know, a wrong number. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and before he actually hung up the phone, he called Josuke. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, in the he's previous... Got He's got plans within plans. If, if the assassination doesn't work, there's still a backup going on. So while Kira has been gloating about how he is unstoppable, the, the indefeatable, uh, invulnerable, Destiny's favorite little boy, Yoshikage Kira, uh, here comes Sleepy Josuke up from behind like, wait, did you just say? Yeah. Yeah, because like, Hayato mentions he remembers on last loop, right before like everybody died, that Josuke was mentioning like, sorry, I'm a little late. I like overslept. So yeah, he just <laughs> woke him up a little, just a few minutes earlier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so yeah, Josuke has just now heard Kira gloating out loud that he's Yoshikage Kira. <laughs> and that leads us into the OP, which is still playing in reverse. Mm -hmm. the, the bites the dust version. Yeah. So back in the action, Okiyasu is there too. You know, uh, the, the rain has begun to fall, as it always does at precisely this time. Mm -hmm. And he's catching up to Josuke like, wait, yeah, I also heard that guy say he's Yoshikage Kira. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> and yeah, Kira turns around and is just like, oh. <laughs> he was just so overly confident that he was completely invincible that he just fucked his own stand power over because it wasn't Hayato who said it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he's about to get his ass beat uh, to pieces. 
And the only thing he can do is call out Killer Queen to defend himself from Crazy Diamond's furious flurry of uh, punching, uh, which means calling it out of Hayato, releasing uh, him from Mites the Dust, yep. releasing his grip on the faded deaths of all of our heroes. Yep. I love that it's such a little simple, stupid thing that completely undoes this incredibly <laughs> complicated and powerful stand. So yeah, Josuke d- wastes no time, pulls out Crazy Diamond, just starts going in to to punch Kira in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Hayato at the same time is just constantly checking his watch, like, is Rohan about to blow up? Is Rohan about to blow up? And then tick-tock pass, he doesn't explode. He 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 is victorious. He did it. He finally defeated his father. Mm-hmm. A, a very important time in every boy's life. <laughs> and there's a bit here where Hayato realizes that, like, hey, okay, we've beaten b- the, the power of Bites the Dust. We see, like, what Bites the Dust looks like in Hayato's mind, I guess, which is yes. a giant evil gray heart with a melted clock on it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wrapped in chains, and a giant clawed hand gripping it. And then it explodes and shatters <laughs> the screen, which falls away to sunny skies, because this was a very, very brief rain shower. <laughs> and yeah, it's Hayato just, like, fist pumps and says, this is awesome. And then Kira butts in and, you know, says like, hey, I'm not like dead or anything. I'm just going to kill all of you now. Uh, and like the sunny skies immediately dissipate the instant he says that. <laughs> it's, it's cloudy and raining again. Yeah, that's bomb type four. He can control the weather. Now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Josuke also like sees this happen and is, and is like, yeah, I think I just solved a puzzle I didn't know was happening. So like, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saved somebody's life. I don't know who, but we're just going to roll with it. (laughs) Kira starts talking about how he absolutely hates fighting and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. conflict. It's it's frequently futile. Fighting sucks, and it's for dumb people who can't get nine hours of sleep. If I mean, if I did fight, I'd like always win, but I (laughs) don't fight because fighting is like for idiots and chumps and... Anyways. But I could. I'd fuck. I'd. I'd be so good at fighting if I was dumb enough <laughs> to do it. It is to Kira's credit that like this sounds intimidating when he says it, instead of sounding like the kid who insists he built a real lightsaber in his basement. But no, he can't let you see it. It's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. The, the FBI came to his house and took it. Yeah. And so yeah, it's it's time to fight. Thankfully, everybody's super aware of Kira's powers now. So even Okuyasu mm-hmm. is just saying, like, don't fucking let that dude touch you. Like, he's not the strongest at actually punching. But if his punch touches you, you're a bomb and you're dead. I mean, yeah, he, he should know about stand fights that are all about getting one good touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, Killer Queen and Crazy Diamond have a fight with actual choreography and moves and not just a thousand punches being drawn simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, and it looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> it looks great. You should do it more often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Killer Queen is no match for, for the strength of Crazy Diamond. Even mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. he trips Josuke once and it looks like, oh, no. You know, he's going to fall and, and eat shit here. While Josuke's falling, he just kicks Kira, like, right in the jaw mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Sends, him, sends him flying. And Hayato, Hayato begins his journey to stand coach. 
yes. at this point. Yeah, like by by the end, he is absolutely like fucking calling plays and and shit. But uh, uh, it takes a while for anyone to listen to him, so he just falls into a, a very Koichi Krillin mode role for a while. <laughs> the ghost of Speedwagon is manifested within him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, and it starts with the line quote: "I can't tell what happened, but Kira going flying and hacking up blood gets a hell yeah from me." <laughs> Uh, I feel like these three episodes have a lot of really good little localization yes, bits yes. in them. There's a lot of pretty good lines of dialogue here. And so yeah, Kira has been uh, knocked into a wall hard enough that he's just fallen to the ground, just sitting there, got some blood trickling out of his mouth. Uh, you know, he's surrounded by, you know, a standless kid and two dudes who could absolutely just utterly wreck his shit in an instant now. <laughs> and so Killer Queen goes in for not like a just a poke, a poke to one of their feet to turn them into the a bomb. Sneakiest little bomb touch on Josuke's toe. Yeah. Okuyasu immediately sees that shit and goes like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? He just uses the hand to just like alter his course <laughs> away from Josuke. But now he's, you know, near Okuyasu, but he hasn't touched him he, he's not actually touching his foot or anything yet and yet okuyasu blows the fuck up <laughs> the entire like lower like right side of his abdomen is just a hole now yeah two things are found to be missing in this moment first a sizable chunk of okuyasu's body yep. and second the cat where is that darn cat yeah where where is stray cat gone and so after okuyasu you know explodes and gets thrown onto like a uh am i gonna sneeze or what <laughs> there yes the answer is yes finally shit so yeah, after after okuyasu blows up he gets thrown on top of like a little like a, a brick wall that's kind of walling off a little garden in front of a house here and mm-hmm. yeah it's okay where is stray cat how did that explosion just happen and this is when kira gets up and re- <laughs> reveals not a new power per se no no <laughs> he, he reveals the killer queen has expansion slots yeah he grabs his <laughs> you know ab tummy and just lifts it up and it, he's lifts it it's up like the drawer to a bread box <laughs> yeah there's just a little little cupboard inside killer queen's tummy and inside you know krang from the ninja turtles cartoon yes it's that <laughs> stray cat is now in the tummy of killer queen like he's krang <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, uh, the two of them working in tandem can turn bomb type one, the bomb touch, into explosive uh, uh, air bubble missiles. That are virtually invisible. Yeah. Virtually invisible because they're just air. Yeah. In air. Uh, so yeah, well, not a new ability. It's two stands like combining their abilities in a, a pretty fun way here. He has turned his stand into an entire Pokemon roster. He's got... <laughs> fucking swiss army stand over here yeah i mean it makes sense that his stand looks like mewtwo's cousin so uh that is our our mid-episode break we get a title card for the hand Mm -hmm. so meanwhile our our other three jotaro koichi and rohan are starting to overhear action they're they're hearing these struggles and punches and screams and they just think huh that's some noisy rain yeah, there's straight up a bit where, because, like, they're further down the street. They should still be able to hear fucking explosions, at least. But, yeah, they hear 
Josuke like screaming at the top of his lungs because Okuyasu just got blown the fuck up. And Jotaro just looks over his shoulder and everyone was like, hey, is something up? He's just like, oh, I thought I heard Josuke, but I'm pretty sure it was just the rain. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Use your Stan's super precise ears to tell human <laughs> screams apart from the rain. Since when does rain ever sound like a man? <laughs> I can't imagine a single instance where I could hear rain and think that was a, a person, especially screaming. What? Or vice versa, as in this case. <laughs> yeah. Like that part is always so, so weird. And it's like there could have been any multiple more plausible reasons why they didn't hear that, even though they're kind of nearby. So so just remember, the entire time this fight is happening, the other three are hanging out at the street corner being like, fucking Josuke, why is he always yeah. so late? He's so unreliable. What a flake. Like, well, he's getting destroyed. There could just be loud-ass construction. There could be a really big 18-wheeler that drives by the moment of the explosion. <laughs> Anything is more plausible than just, I thought I heard Josuke, but I'm pretty sure it's just the rain. And those things would either go to, like, Kira's uh, planning or his incredible oh, luck. The, the touched you, child of destiny, right? You know what would have made the most sense? Just another... Big ass lightning strike hitting the instant his bomb goes off, so it just sounds yes! like thunder. Yes, that would have been great. Fuck, man, come on! <laughs> I want to be the editor to JoJo just so I can see these bits and go like, wait a minute. And I would also say that why can't the stray cat just be the the uh, Kasaku family cat from that first episode that gets stuck out the window and yeah. is never seen again? I yeah, one of this second watch for me. We got to the straight cat episode. I was just like, wait, don't they already have a cat? Huh? <laughs> wait a minute. Because if it were the family cat, it would, you know. Yeah, yeah. You you have uh, Kira kill the cat in order to cover up the, like, the cat knows I'm not really Kasaku. <laughs> yeah. But he does it in such a way that Shinobu thinks she killed the cat by accident. And then the story goes out the same way. Uh, uh, as before, mm -hmm. including the fact that the cat was shot by the arrow coincidentally at just the moment to be reincarnated as a plant because we all know <laughs> that's how stands work. If you're still developing your stand and you die, you turn into a plant. Yep. Everyone knows this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a big group chunk of the group here will not be in the fight for a while <laughs> because of the rain. Thanks. Thanks, Rain. Hayato is explaining like what stray cat does to josuke quickly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so josuke can't see these air bombs they're just air but right. hayato has had enough experience with stray cat now that he can kind of tell where they are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. despite being a stanless child <laughs> he is the dedicated killer queen expert in the room yeah yeah Meanwhile, Kira has moved closer to where Okiyasu has fallen over this, like, knee-high wrought iron grate, lying inside someone's, like, shrubs and, and mm -hmm. rose bushes, and is basically goaltending his body, because he knows that Josuke's number one uh, aim is to, is to do the special golden touch on his buddy and save his <laughs> life. Yeah. It is, uh, like, unavoidable Josuke bait, and uh, uh, Killer Queen has put his very deadly self in the way. Yeah. And so Josuke, he can't not try to help mm -hmm. save Okuyasu's life. Well, yeah. You know, so despite this being, you know, that this scenario is very heavily in, in Kira's advantage here, he's got to try. And so he's trying to defend himself from these invisible air bombs by just kicking or punching the ground 
to kick up a lot of concrete to form barriers in front of himself. So those will get blown up. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then he can try to advance forward more. Very much like the highway star fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it works the first time. And Kira's like, huh, you can do that? That's pretty cool. So he does it a second time, but as as these barriers are hastily made of uh, uh, chunks and bits, there there are cracks for a mm-hmm. bubble to squeeze through, itty bitty, uh, uh, just pass through, and it doesn't explode on contact, but instead has more of like a timer attached, and it doesn't uh, blow up until it is right in Josuke's face on the opposite side of the barrier. Yeah. As they are both learning what the other is capable of in the very fine, precise details mm-hmm. that stand fights can be all about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that explosion will not... It was a, a, a small bomb to to slip through that crack, but, uh, you know, still hits Josuke, does some damage. He's, he's bleeding a bit now. Josuke just gets up and he just starts sprinting forward. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kira fires off another uh, air bomb. And this time, Josuke is still just charging forward. The bubble collides with his face and then just slides off and just keeps going. It doesn't blow up. Because this isn't Josuke using stand mechanics. It's using his knowledge of Kira, the man, mm-hmm. to know that if I'm close enough when the bubble gets to me, he will not risk blowing it up to hurt himself. Yep. Uh, and yeah, he he's gotten close enough so that that explosion could could harm Kira as well. And so Kira just like zoop, steps to the side <laughs> yeah, to, he, to get out of punch range. Like, okay, you got me. You <laughs> could have fun with your buddy. Yeah, I I love the animation for that bit just because so many other villains, if they did retreat, would do like a backflip or you know something that looks cool. <laughs> this is just a guy that that this. The way he runs away is like when you see a creepy-ass bug that's really close to you, and you go like, yee, and then you just kind of slink away real quick. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a spi- big-ass spider right next to me, and I didn't see it until just now. Ooh. Look, I'm just trying to live quietly, and it's hard to do that if you punch my face inside out. Okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so Josuke's reached his goal. He, he's bending down to, to deliver a healing touch to Okiasu. And there's this split second cut to, to Kira making a very happy face. Yep. I love his tiny happy face. Yeah. And this is where Hayato goes like, whoa, 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 don't fucking do that. I think, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Kira touched Okiyasu and turned him into a bomb, mm-hmm. hoping that you would heal him and then die in the process. And Kira's just like, oh, yeah, maybe I did. I don't know. I don't remember. It was so much was happening. (laughs) Quote, it all happened so fast. I can't really be sure if I made him a bomb or not. Yeah. (laughs) You asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So they're trying to figure out whether it is safe to save Okiyasu or not. And like time is ticking. Like people Mm -hmm. take a long, long time to die in in, uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. But they're they're burning out all of that time just discussing uh, and deciding what to do next. Yeah. They just really don't know what to do because Josuke just get vaporized right now if if this is... If Okuyasu is actually a bomb. And mm-hmm. so Hayato, being the most hardcore child in all of existence, <laughs> like he keep like Josuke nearly touches Okuyasu. He so desperately wants to save his friend. And Hayato just keeps telling him, don't fucking do it. I have an idea for how we can find out if he's a bomb or not. 
Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he just leaps into action and touches Okuyasu himself to see if Okuyasu's a bomb, and he blows the fuck up. <laughs> see, he he uh, has to do this to prove to Josuke, uh, uh, but he is fairly sure that he's about to fucking die mm-hmm. because he is reasoned that uh, uh, Kira can only have one bomb active at a time yeah. uh, to the point that even summoning Killer Queen for, for punch reasons will deactivate Bites the Dust. Mm-hmm. So the reason that they haven't had uh, exploding air bullets flying at them this whole time is because Okiyasu is a trap. Mm-hmm. And so, just like Jotaro back in the the rat fight uh, against <laughs> Bug Eaton, he takes it upon himself to do the most dangerous thing, even though it would be better off if they switch places, except yeah. that one must protect the healer at all costs. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, you, you just see Hayato explode and start to disintegrate into these little dozens of chunks these this little boy's chunks. head is in eight pieces alone never mind the rest of him yeah and all of his chunks are starting to like slowly float up into the air like he's going up into heaven and then josuke goes oh i get it i see what you're doing and he punches all of the chunks to prepare them into a real boy again <laughs> and he survives he survives i don't know what sort of medical definition of death <laughs> Yeah. Is it play that what line there is that the grandpa crossed, but Hayato didn't? Yeah. Like, this 10 year old child was dead for like three quarters of a second, basically. <laughs> like, I don't know how much brain activity you can measure when it's in several pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hayato's f- fine. He's good now. And like, he. He takes it pretty well, too, that he just died and came back to life in the span of one second. Well, he finally got to talk to his real dad. They, they, they worked out a lot of stuff. Yeah. So so now Josuke has also healed Okiyasu. Uh, the huge chunk in his guts uh, uh, is back. Hooray for the guts chunk. While he is dazed, Josuke has got to, like, carry him out of the battlefield and try to evade a teeny tiny, super concentrated, super small, extra invisible air bullet bomb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Kira's just standing several feet away, just sending out these little bombs. He he talks about uh, Joe Montana. Yes. The football player. (laughs) Yes. Joe Montana, famous for pulling out wins under, uh, uh, you know, stressful situations. Comeback King, just like ice in his veins. But between pulling out Joe Montana as his cultural touchstone for for that sort of thing and his breakfast of bacon and eggs, do you think there's something to uh, Kira being Americanized in this uh, Mm. Japanese town? Hmm. And that is like one of the traits of this this super predator. I wonder. It's been a while since I read the manga, but I believe he just said in the original it is still Joe Montana. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think that was a localization thing. Yeah, there might be something to that. I, I'm trying to think. If there's any like other aspects to him or like the way he lives his life that are more like Americanized, though. I tell you what, I do not stretch before I get into bed. That ain't, that ain't a thing around here. <laughs> yeah. But while uh, uh, he is gloating his victory and Josuke is trying to shake his friend awake so he is not a burden, Okiasu ain't just dazed. The soul mist is rising off of his body. Yep. 
Yep. We know what that means. We've seen a lot of friends and companions die over these parts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Josuke is ignoring the danger he's in and just shaking Okuyasu as this, like, soul mist is leaving him, you know, with tears in his eyes, just, like, telling him, begging him to please wake up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while Kira is, like, watching this, you're seeing it from his perspective where he's, like, putting his uh, thumb and index fingers from both hands and, like, frame Josuke up like he's a photographer. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Just like, oh, man, this is going to be it's so good. It's a family good. hobby. <laughs> this is going to be so good just when he blows the fuck up. And he's just counting down the distance uh, every meter this bubble passes. Yeah. Hayato is begging Josuke to leave Okuyasu behind so that they can both escape. And Josuke refuses to leave Okuyasu's body behind. Just one more meter, then pop goes the riffraff. <laughs> yeah. Another really good dub script line. Mm-hmm. And he, he keeps going with the Joe Montana football thing, too, because like when the bomb gets closer and he tries to detonate it, he he's just says touchdown and then hits the de- the, the switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As the uh, bomb is getting very close to Josuke, Josuke screams and a bunch <laughs> of he forces blood to just forcibly like eject from his head wound uh-huh, uh-huh. onto his hand to collect a bunch of blood. And then he uses crazy diamond to take that blood and karate chop it at high velocity at the bubble like it's like a water cutter. Yeah, yeah. So it just like flings off the fingertips of Crazy Diamond to make a high pressure uh, uh, blade, a blood blade. <laughs> a blood blade. I think blood blade came out for the PS2. <laughs> Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, uh, so with such force and precision, he's definitely been hanging out with uh, Jotaro a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so that the bomb bubble is split in twain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the the blood blade just keeps going and mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. going to hit Kira, too. But Killer Queen comes out and with its knee and its elbow catches the blood blade in between them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and deflects it so it merely just, like, rips a, 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 a shallow gash in his shoulder rather than pe- penetrating Kira's heart uh, yeah. once and for all. Yeah. But now there's two bombs. Now there's two bombs. that's kind of a problem also. <laughs> yeah, so when the, these air bubbles, because, like, Hayato's like, oh, yeah, those air bubbles totally pop, like what I did. But uh, when Kira turns these bubbles into bombs, they get, like, stabilized by the the bomb effect. So even though it's split in two, they're still bombs. And so they just keep going. But of course, Josuke has a plan for this as well. See, when he was punching up a a whole bunch of the road, uh, and then the road did explode, Mm -hmm. some of that got embedded in uh, his shoulder. So he repairs the sidewalk in order to be used yanked by the force of the <laughs> gravel in his shoulder yeah uh, uh back uh, uh out of the blast radius i love that bit <laughs> i love that bit <laughs> and then hi like hayato like figures out what happened he's just like whoa that's a really cool idea <laughs> wow i mean it's not quite as dramatic as grabbing someone's scarf and then flying all the way to new zealand but i'll take it <laughs> yeah yeah, they're they're further away from Kira now, outside of that bomb's explosion range. Josuke decides, okay, we need to get some cover from this mm-hmm, dude. Mm-hmm. And so he heads into the nearest house, don't know who lives here or you know who 
if anyone's even home right now, but we have to take shelter in this house. We will find out in the next episode. Hey. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey. Uh, but, but for now, yes, they're, they're running away, uh, dragging Okiyasu. This whole time, whenever they are not immediately in danger of exploding, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hayato is arguing with Josuke about what to do with uh, uh, the corpse of Okiyasu Nijimura. <laughs> yeah. And Josuke just refuses to dump him. Yeah, he will not even let Hayato say the word dead. He keeps cutting him off. Yep. Uh, and so, yes, m- much like Crazy Diamond's weakness is its inability to heal Josuke, uh, Josuke's weakness is his inability to heal his own pain. Mm-hmm. And also just finally having like this this fight, like the, the opposing ends of his and Kira's powers finally coming to play like full force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice Josuke bit for these episodes for this whole fight kira has decided that uh, uh after seeing crazy diamond in uh uh in action jotaro's not the person between him and and his peaceful life mm-hmm. it's this fucking teenage asshole punk <laughs> yeah and that's the cliffhanger for episode 37 and so now we see the um savage garden i want you ending in its final form mm-hmm it is super populated now. Uh, some, but probably not all of the people we're just seeing now, but not before, include the Kawajiri's mother and son walking around. Uh, yep. There's a Cinderella ad in the train station that was there all along. I just never noticed it until now. <laughs> Kira's old Kameyu co-workers are gossiping together. Yuya and his girls. Uh, mm. The fish architect is leaning against a tree. <laughs> yep. Mikitaka's in there. Jenkin Boy's in there. Superfly and its user are uh, at the very end of, of Morio Lane. Mm-hmm. Mr. Enigma is just out there. <laughs> yep, he's just hanging out, plain view. Uh, the, the, the very end has that diamond with Josuke in all of the facets, but uh, one that's a little turtle. And a while ago, that turned into Kira and mm. the rat. Now it is Kira as Kosaku and Stray Cat. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Tonio's is in there somewhere. Tonio himself yeah. isn't, but the building has to be. Yeah, it's got to be here somewhere. That'd be weird to skip out on Tonio. Anyhow, it is time for episode 38, Crazy D-Diamond is Unbreakable Part 2. <laughs> and we fade up on the unblinking eyes of the Pepsi sign. <laughs> this is the Great Gatsby as presented by Frito-Lay. We, we replace... <laughs> Uh, so remember, it is now something like 8.40, 8.45, and quote-unquote Kosaku Kawajiri is not on his train to the office this morning. So he, he calls into his boss to say he's ru- ru- uh, running late, and he describes his plans to discipline his son severely, which is a normal <laughs> thing bosses should care about. That's totally cool and fine. Yep. If your boss cares about that, you need to quit. You need to go. Mm-hmm. And see, so, yeah, we just see... Kira on his cute little purple cell phone, uh, <laughs> bowing repeatedly, uh, repeatedly apologizing to his boss. When he's done with the phone call, he just fucking curses Kusaku Kawajiri for being like a, oh, how does he phrase it? Like a socially anxious wimp or something like that? Uh, <laughs> for being a dude who is like the actual Kusaku trying to climb the corporate ladder. And so now Kira is stuck in this job where he's kind of got to keep that going to seem normal. Uh, mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. fucking hates doing it. 
Including bowing 15 times on the phone where no one can see you. Yeah, like he he hates that this guy's job forces him to do all this shit when he just wants a dead-end job where no one will question him. Which is why he thrived so well in uh, retail middle management. <laughs> yeah. Once he's done with his phone call, he's kind of scouting out the house, that Josuke. He's just walking around the sidewalk trying to peer into these windows but they're mostly either they're either closed or they got the curtains kind of drawn on them he ditches his briefcase and hayato's book bag in the shrubs that uh okiyasu died in Mm -hmm. as he's doing this a neighbor appears this disgusting figure (laughs) yeah i don't know what is going on with the throat situation but i don't like it oh yeah the, the far away shot looks like his neck and, and face are just one long, like, thumb appendage. Closer up shots, he does actually have a chin that separates his, his head from his neck, but... And he is asking Kira, let's just like, hey, who the fuck are you? Why are you loitering and snooping around this house? There's been a, a, a panty thief around mm-hmm. harassing this... This Rio, I think her name is. The, this yes, her name is Rio. She she's out at work uh, because that that's the time of day it is. Everybody's out at work, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, this guy is taking it upon himself to to uh, make sure that this disgusting panty thief going around the neighborhood does not strike yet again at the home of his uh, unrequited crush Rio. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that. But it's clear. It's extremely clear. And so Kira's like, fuck no, dude. What What is your deal? Go away. I'm trying to kill teenagers here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Kira just kind of leaves. He just turns around and walks away. Just and, and so this dude's like, ha, yeah, I totally caught that awful panty thief and now i'm i feel real good about myself rio is gonna give me big smooching on my awful throat situation (laughs) and and then he sees like draped over a a a branch of a tree or or something it looks like the fucking charlie brown christmas tree (laughs) (laughs) that's appropriate because oh boy this is a gift from heaven Mm -hmm. it is (laughs) A sort of lime green, lacy pair of Rio's purloined undies. Mm-hmm. And so he, he picks them up and like, oh, yeah, that's this. This is proof that I stopped the bad man. I deserve a, a treat today. <laughs> he balls them up. He starts sniffing. And you know what? This is how I want to go. I've got it in my <laughs> living will and everything. His head explodes. It was a bomb. His head explodes, but at the same time, the the panty's still floating in the air. His <laughs> eyeballs are the last thing to disintegrate, and before they do, they both land on top of the panties, and you hear his ghostly voice go, Oh, fuck yeah, this rules, and then he, he dies. He's completely dead, and the panties just float up into the air, presumably going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Raimi sees them from Ghost Al is like, yeah, all right. Good for you. <laughs> His fucking eyeballs, though, man. It's, it's so weird. All right, here's a quote from the Blu-ray commentary uh, uh-huh. from Na- <laughs> Naokatsutsuda. <laughs> I cannot say why I wanted to draw this panty thief. <laughs> 
Dude took this job upon himself personally. But characters like him are the ones that give jo- get, that give JoJo's universe its uniqueness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been a little while since we've seen a discussing little guy, haven't we? I'm g- I guess he's not he little. He looks like he should be part of the NYPD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he's got the same look as all most of the other cops in in JoJo, at least the American ones. <laughs> So that brings us to our traditional sound effect laden version of the OP, which for a while is just a lot of doors opening and closing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the OP has returned to the original version because Bites the Dust has been removed. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep, lots of sound effects, lots of whooshing. Eventually the whooshing kicks in for sure, but whooshing in a big way. Mm-hmm. So back in Rio's house, Hayato cannot make a phone call out because that's his move, apparently. Phone calls save the day with mm-hmm. this kid. Uh, and Josuke begins to accept the truth that Okiyasu uh, has died in the, the valiant defense of the city of Morio. He, he died a hero, but he is indeed dead. Mm-hmm. Josuke was already ready and willing to stop Kira from doing what he's doing, but now it's, like, personal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's even more personal than just having Shigechi get blown up. (laughs) Yeah, Shigechi was... I don't know if they were even friends. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Just acquaintances. He took it really hard, and, and like, his his heart was set on vengeance when Shigechi died, but he didn't like Shigechi that much when he was alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And unlike Koichi and Rohan, he was not, like, charged with this divine mission from, you know, the guardian of Limbo either. (laughs) Yeah. And so Josuke states that it's now his mission not only to stop Kira, but just straight up kill him. He's just going to kill him. mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Josuke lays Okuyasu's body down on the floor, decides, okay, it's it's business time, it's killing time, let's start... you know, surveying the rest of the house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and seeing, like, if we could figure out what Kira is up to outside. Both he and Kira know that by moving inside, the the range difference uh, 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 between them uh, is is greatly reduced. So Josuke is better off. And also, there's so much stuff inside a house that, mm-hmm. that Crazy Diamond can play with. Oh, yeah. So Kira is uh, finding a way to lay siege to them from without in order to to keep Josuke from dictating, you know, the terms of the battle. Yeah. Like, there's a bit where Hayato here is just staying very quiet, clearly nervous, like, what's Kira going to do? He goes to brush some of his hair over his ear. Like, immediately after he does that, it slips back down off his ear. And so he does it a second time, slips off again. He's like, what the hell is going on here? And... Like one side of his the the head on his hair starts fluttering a bit, and it's because there's like a bomb <laughs> right behind mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. floating by, like it floats through his Gleezing hair, easing through this little crack in the wall, just like it did through a crack in the the sidewalk wall earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Hayato knows there, there's a bomb in the house. Just Josuke, Josuke, there's a bomb in the house. <laughs> so Josuke starts slowly backing out of the room. Like, all the bombs previously just go in a straight line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this one, like, Josuke's slowly walking out of the room, and it's kind of curving around and continuing to follow him. He's slowly backing up a set of stairs, and the well, bombs... Well, they're seeing it now, because yeah. he came up with a ploy. Right. It seems that Rio is a big smoker, so uh, uh, he picked up an ashtray and just threw it in the air to make an ash yes. cloud. 
And then in order to, to have uh, that same sort of smoke advantage, you know, messing with the, the visibility, the, the refractory index of the interior air, <laughs> he lights an entire pack at once and uses them as, as a smoky torch. Yeah, because like on that same table where the ashtray was, there's like a really ornate lighter like one of those really big ones that uh it's it's like the size of an apple (laughs) this lighter (laughs) so he's got this lighter with him too and so yeah they're able to visibly see the bomb making polnareff and solid snake both very proud (laughs) yeah josuke and haito are are talking to each other from across the room like okay why the fuck is this bomb able to like track me and they're trying to think like okay you haven't seen it haito but i've had a tiny bit of experience with his other bomb type, which is, uh, you know, sheer heart attack. Which doesn't come out. Like, ever no. since Kira gets his new face, we never see sheer heart attack again. Mm-hmm. Which I've always thought is a little weird. I at, For a little while, I thought it was because, like, oh, he cut his hand off before, and that was the source of sheer heart attack. Does he lose that? But, like, his hand got repaired. <laughs> it's still the same hand. He should, he should have sheer heart attack. I don't know. I mean... Part of this whole fight that we're talking about across these three episodes is Kira pulling out all of his tricks, except Mm -hmm. it's not all. I like adding an exchange, a new way to subvert sheer heart attack would have been fun. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, Josuke knows its number from the beginning. It probably wouldn't have been. Yeah. From the way they talk about it to... uh, um, satisfying except in the idea that you really are seeing kira do everything he's capable of doing mm-hmm. uh josuke's also got all of these matches lit and it's just like okay that's a that's a heat source and this bubble isn't following it so this thing isn't automated to track stuff like sheer heart attack is there's some way that kira knows where i am mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. is causing the, and he's manually steering this bubble to follow me <laughs> So, so they're trying to, to figure it out through logic, step by step, and then a lot of things happen practically at once. Oh, yeah. Crazy Diamond smashes a vase as the bomb strikes Josuke, which throws a bunch of, like, uh, bec- because he's up on, like, a, a balcony over the living room, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's all the, the little supports holding up a handrail, mm-hmm. like wooden slats that, you know... Kids get their heads caught in in, <laughs> in Christmas comedies, and then you got to rub grease on their ears or whatever, those <laughs> yeah. sort of things. Yep. And two of them pierce his body, one through the leg and one like in, in like the side of his abdomen. Yeah. While he falls from the balcony, Crazy Diamond flings a heart-shaped shard of that glass, mm-hmm. uh, of that vase, at Kira, nearly but not striking him. <laughs> yeah. When you see Crazy Diamond, like, shatter that vase and it's getting reformed into this like heart-shaped glass bullet because he basically flicks it the same way he would flick the bullets during the bug eating fight (laughs) when he smashes it like a bunch of his blood that's on his hands and stuff like gets caught up in that shard of glass which is important for later (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he you know he fires that off the same time he he gets blown up and he falls from the second to the first floor and he is now, capital F, fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah, Josuke is not... For the rest of this fight, Josuke is in a bad, bad way physically. Yeah, he can barely get up and walk and stuff because of these two big-ass wooden slats just stuck inches deep in him. 
like right now he can't walk. He's barely conscious. And yeah. uh, Hayato is dragging him through the house deeper, farther away from the window out of sight. Mm-hmm. While Kira is vowing that his next bomb will be the fatal final strike. Yeah. And Kira this whole time is just barely peering out from around like the, the brick wall just outside of the like by the sidewalk. Um, and as Haito is dragging Josuke further away, Josuke still just barely conscious is just like, that's the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. I want to get closer to the man killing us. What's wrong with you, child? I want to kill the shit out of this guy. Get me closer. <laughs> so now it is time for Josuke to yet again describe some of Crazy Diamond's abilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Okay. Crazy Diamond cannot fix Josuke or his body or any element of his body. But did you know that once blood spends mm-hmm. a certain time outside of the body, once it's had time to like dry in the air, mm-hmm. it's not really a part of you anymore, right? You you can't get transfusions of dried blood. That's that's foolishness. <laughs> yes, right. So it's just stuff that mm-hmm. that goes along with all the rules of just stuff. Yeah. Including a little bit of my blood can be reattached to other little bits of my blood mm-hmm. that, that it was separated from, much the same way that, you know, pieces of a, a broken vase can be put together. Yeah. So that, li- so, so, <laughs> so that a heart-shaped glass missile with a tiny bit of blood inside it is actually a blood-seeking missile. Yes. That is now on a collision course with the glancing wound on Kira's shoulder that I made of my own blood previously. Yeah, with the blood blade in the previous episode. <laughs> and and it's like, it stopped raining a while ago, so Josuke's confident that, that the blood on Kira's jacket has dried enough that this will work. And so, yeah, he just activates, like, you know, the, the repair ability and the bullet that got deflected and is, like, a mile into the sky at this point just curves right around, does a 180, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and pierces Kira, like, through the back. Yeah, just, like, through the shoulder blade. It, it yeah. looks like it shatters his bone, of the, <laughs> yeah. like, the scapula. So, obviously, everybody knows that's how that works. Uh, yep. D- don't even know why I spent so long explaining it. <laughs> Uh, and that brings up the Crazy Diamond title card. So now Kira, uh, also wounded, also determined, uh, is about to fire what he did vow was you know, going to be the kill shot, his one last bomb. Mm-hmm. And they put all of the frames into this. Oh my god, the animation of Killer Queen making the biggest ass air bubble bomb he can is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> really extra looking. Like the the camera is rotating around Killer Queen several times, going in tight on Stray Cat in the tummy as it hisses, yeah. and then pulling back out again for for like the the mid shot. Uh, oh. There is so much flair in that bit, and it looks cool as hell. So yeah, there's this huge huge air bomb coming. Yep. Meanwhile, Josuke is sending a second blood guided vase missile into the air. Uh, and Hayato is like, what? He, you can't pull the same thing twice on this guy. He's smart. He's smart like <laughs> you. He's doing. He's gonna figure it out. Not. Yep. And Josuke's like, it's it's what I got. Just keep punching until he falls down. Yep. And so as this big ass air bubble, this this bomb bubble is coming, Josuke is saying like, hey, I can't fucking move. 
There's no way we can like avoid this bomb this time, or at least I can. You could run, but he he's been thinking more about how the these bombs are are tracking them. There's got to be some way that Kira is able to figure out their location from outside, even though he can't see inside. And he's got a hypothesis to test. So he's like, Heizo, Heizo, come here, come here, come here. I need you to trust me. I need you to get that lighter from my pocket. Okay, okay good boy, good boy. Okay. Let me set fire to you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and you, you, this is one of the few times in JoJo where it's just like, oh, here's a detail that if you noticed in a preview shot is suspicious and it isn't just like a thing a character noticed at light speed and you never could have. For this last bit of the fight, Kira's been holding on to his little purple cell phone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can see it pretty prominently after he gets pierced through with the, the blood missile. And Josuke thinks, okay, it would make no sense for Kira to be talking to anyone on that phone right now. Uh, and there's also like only one person Kira, I think, would ever willingly call on the phone. And that's his dad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in a second detail, you might have forgotten, Haito couldn't get a signal to get out. Mm-hmm. But there is a second phone in this uh, a reasonably sized home, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so the wireless receiver is with Pappy Kira in the photograph in Hayato's pocket all along. <laughs> yes. And so he's been calling out like spotting directions like, okay, a meter to the left. Stop, stop, up. Mm-hmm. 45, down bubble 45. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all ahead quarter impulse, son. And... uh <laughs> So so now the, the flames have flushed that whole situation out. Yeah. And Josuke snatches the, the phone receiver from the photo and starts turning the, the tables, like running the scam in reverse and guiding this fatally gigantic uh, uh, bubble bomb after the photograph as it flies away fruitlessly. <laughs> yeah. And our, our man Kira must be a podcast listener because he cannot tell voices apart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Josuke's like whispering a bunch, so I guess that kind of covers it up a bit. But yeah, he gets Kira to lead his bomb and blow up and kill his own dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody is overcoming their fathers today. We're, we're yeah. getting a lot of like coming of age. <laughs> so like the last thing Kira's dad says before he gets blown up is, just, you know, just shouting Yoshikage. But the last full sentence <laughs> yeah. Kira's dad says yeah. as he's being chased by this bomb is... Uh, I believe at towards at Josuke, he says, you are such a duplicitous dick. <laughs> uh, so yes, Josuke caused Kira to kill his own dad. This explosion is huge, loud, rumbling. Uh, uh, they, they really crank the bass on this one. Yes. And Kira starts to celebrate because, you know, he's been following his instructions. Direct hit. Hell yes. And then Josuke, like, drops the whisper and uses his own voice to, to tell him what happened. And the way, like, the, the expression he makes, the, the sudden uh, shift in color when mm-hmm. Kira realizes what actually happened. Mm, mm, it's good. It's, it's good. really good. It's really good. As he is, you know, in shock by what happened, that's just enough time to distract him from the fact that Josuke has just curved his other mm-hmm. glass blood missile around and it actually it, it hits. It pierces Kira through the back a second time. <laughs> so so this good fortune, this turnabout has given Josuke the strength to stand. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now the, these two men, these equals and opposites, it seems, are now side by side 
uh, uh, right in in the front walk of Rio's home. Rio's destroyed home. Yeah, the the roof has been up completely obliterated at this point. Before Josuke is able to get out there, though, there is a, a scene here where Kira is basically face first on the ground, almost completely losing his confidence that he's mm-hmm. been, you know, he's had for the entire series. But he's able to steal himself one more time and say, like, no matter how bad things have ever gotten for me, I always succeed. This is just like that. And he's able to, like, regain his composure after losing it just briefly, just very briefly. But it's like the mm-hmm, first time mm-hmm. you really see him that shattered in the entire show. And so uh, a- as he stands up, Hayato is basically running down the situation like an NFL pregame show. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's noting everyone's injuries and, and motivations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josuke on paper has the advantage, but all Kira has to do is land one quick hit. And I think, you know, whoever's uh, a running game is on point today. Is <laughs> Yeah, it, it really feels like that. But it doesn't play out like a sport. It plays out like a fucking Wild West duel. Yeah, yeah, because the, the camera is definitely treating this as a showdown at high noon and uh, highlighting their duality. Like, everything is in split screen. Everything is in, in match cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it is time for, yeah, fucking cl- Clock Strikes 12, let's go, as uh, uh, Crazy Diamond is just dismantling Killer Queen in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, Kira keeps trying different different angles and, and punches, and none of them are getting through. Either Crazy Diamond's able to just snatch, just like stop Killer Queen's punch just by grabbing him by the wrist midair, or mm-hmm, he deflects mm-hmm. all of his punches by just punching both of Killer Queen's elbows in so his arms go the wrong way. <laughs> 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 yeah, there, there's like nothing Killer Queen can do to match the strength. And so and so Crazy Diamond shatters Killer Queen's face with yes. one punch to the jaw. Yeah, it's like he's made out of porcelain and it just, yeah, he just gets shattered. Uh, Josuke screams and he goes in for the thousand rapid punches and there's a brief bit before that happens where kira just thinks i'm gonna fucking die i'm going to die now (laughs) until until those punches are all stopped by a protective air barrier not a not bomb air but just Mm -hmm. air air because stray cat is working independently to defend itself yep and so there are a bunch of air bubbles that are uh blocking these punches and, and and protecting kira here and he goes oh shit it's the universe looking out for me. It's my guardian angel. This is my chance. And so he touches just one of those uh, air bubbles to turn it into a bomb and flicks it towards Josuke, who's right in front of him. Who's too close and too weak to, to you know, build a shield out of pavement again or whatever. Yeah. Like he tries to to grab something to flick at Kira like a bullet, but he's just too weak to to reach anything. He just falls over just staring at this bomb as it's coming towards him. And Kira has gone through so many uh, uh, mood swings. So mm-hmm. here's the latest one where in this moment of apparent victory yet again, uh, quote, I've come out on top just like every other time my back is against the wall. Destiny has always been on Yoshikage Kira's side. And that's when the bubble misses. <laughs> yeah. The bubble misses with a very distinct and recognizable sound effect because the hand has pulled it Yay. off course. Yay. Yay. And so, yeah, it's the camera reveals Okuyasu, who's fit and fine, 
camera slowly panning up to until it reveals you know him doing a sassy little pose mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. okiyasu starts musing about like where do where does all this stuff go when when my stand erases it <laughs> oh well it doesn't matter what wherever it is i'm just gonna blow that place to hell because yeah he, he just voids away the bubble entirely like if yeah. this was a one-on-one against okiyasu th- these air bubbles would mean nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'd be absolutely useless yeah kira's very lucky he took okiyasu out of the fight for a while because it's like <laughs> <laughs> okiyasu is the number one one of the best like at least one of the best stands to have against kira right now <laughs> But where you been, buddy? What happened? And now begins the tale of Okuyasu, Colton Burpo, Nijimura. (laughs) So yeah, Okuyasu starts describing what happened. He went to the pearly gates, basically. And Keicho (laughs) was there. He followed the light. Yeah. And and his brother Keicho was there in the light. And and Keicho was asking him, you know, what do you want to do? Okuyasu says some crazy shit because like, yeah... Uh, when he was crossing over, he he hoped to get guidance from his brother because, quote, he never made any wrong decisions. <laughs> Killing countless people was the right thing to do, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, Okuyasu. I know you miss your brother, but come on. <laughs> Remember when you had that moment of growth fighting Red Hot Chili Pepper and were like, yeah, my brother was kind of a shithead and he was destined to die young. Mm-hmm. Because of his actions and choices. Yeah, but yeah, there's a bit where where Okiyasu's saying he was going to join Keicho wherever he was. Uh, He believes that Keicho told him that like, hey, you have to make your own decisions from now on. I can't tell you what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's when Okiyasu made the decision to go back to Morio and not join his brother in wherever his brother is. <laughs> I do like that Keicho gets a hero moment here and yeah. that it is specifically to let his brother be his own guide and to trust him rather than belittle him, yep. which is all he did in life as far as we can see. <laughs> yeah, yep. I do like that bit. It turns out damnation in the lake of fire is pretty good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. It, it builds character. Mm-hmm. Then as Okuyasu, you know, says like, and that's when I, I woke up and I, w- I was just here. I was alive, uh, but I felt really sad uh, and, and all these other emotions mixed in along with that. And then Josuke is just like, this is not the time for this. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm, I'm about to see Choke. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Okuyasu just says, wow, I guess those wounds can't be on you. That can't be that bad because it got the got the energy right now to be a dick. <laughs> Yeah, you get this nice close up on Josuke, who's like happy, like happy crying, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and just like calling Okuyasu like a fucking dumbass for being dead for half an hour. <laughs> Kira is not enjoying this uh, uh, reunion. Obviously, mm-hmm. it, it portends ill for him, but he's just got to keep shooting those bubble bombs and and getting space, you know, buying time. But they aren't coming. Yep. He's 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 trying to fire a bubble, but but that cat ain't doing it because that cat ain't in there. <laughs> yeah, Okiyasu just uses the hand to suck Stray Cat out of Killer Queen's tummy and just into his hand. And the instant Stray Cat is in Okiyasu's hand, he gets really cute. <laughs> he just gets really cute and useless. <laughs> Okiyasu is good with animals. I don't think we've seen it before, yeah. but it feels right, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So, like, Stray Cat is just out of the fight. He's just a completely useless little guy when he's in Okuyasu's hand. 
So finally, finally around the corner come our three other stand warrior heroes. Yeah. They- summoned by the sound of the giant explosion that destroyed the roof. Yep. And at the same time, not only do they arrive, but ambulances and fire trucks and cops have arrived. All seeking out what they're, they're theorizing was like someone's gas pipes exploding. Yeah. Or, or was there an earthquake over here? What happened? Yeah. And all these people are surrounding Kira. Like, he is in the middle of all these different new people arriving. He's in the center of a bullseye, and that's where people shoot, so watch out. Yeah, and all the the new people who have arrived, all the other stand users are going like, hey, that dude's really fucked up. Wait a minute, Josuke's really fucked up. Wait a minute, there's Kasaku Kawajiri. Wait a minute, that's his son. That's Kira. (laughs) And Hayato basically points at Kira and says, hey, dude, you are fucked. The episode ends on a cliffhanger of like this warped, like fish eye lens view of just Kira's like utterly terrified expression. Just as stewing he's... in his abject desperation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love Hayato's uh, uh, big speech here. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he's shouting about, you know, the, the forces of justice. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and how, uh, uh, quote, you've got nothing compared to these guys' righteous hearts. Yes. Which is the most shonen-ass line I've heard in my life. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> Oh, uh, but but this really lays bare like i mean you, you want to talk about uh, uh duality while dio and uh jotaro's fight was all about their similarities mm-hmm. uh, uh in their abilities like kira and josuke are perfect opposites while mm-hmm. kira has no allies but will force others to do his bidding poor poor kitty cat mm-hmm. uh josuke's edge is in bringing others to be their better selves yep. like Okiyasu would not be alive right now if Keicho hadn't been at least a little bit touched by Josuke's example on his final day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And little coach Hayato, who is honestly carrying the day. He is! <laughs> and he wouldn't be if it was anybody else taking taking point in this fight, but Josuke, the guy who kneels down, introduces himself, mm-hmm. and tries to be kind to the little guy. Yeah, like, you can also imagine, like, if Jotaro was in this whole fight that just happened with Hayato, it would be a, a very similar thing to what he did with Koichi. Yeah, yeah. He would just be telling him to get out of the way and would not be listening to his advice or anything. Meanwhile, like, Josuke is just working with that kid from, like, the start. <laughs> Hey, uh, you prank called my house to get me out of bed earlier, but I think that was good? I'm going to trust <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> and now it is time for the final episode, episode 39, Goodbye, Morio, The Heart of Gold. <laughs> and so we open on again, Hayato's big speech yep. and a title card. No OP, no time. Just, nope. just a brief flash of the title. Yeah. As the Pepsi sign still looms in the distance, watching over all... <laughs> I love how prominent this Pepsi sign is. <laughs> so Kira is barely processing what's happening. He's not listening to what anyone is saying. He's completely he's not in- processing. He thinks it's a dream. That's, yeah. that's the story he's telling himself just to s- s- get through it all. Yeah, he's almost like dissociating at this point. 
but his injuries are pretty grave at this point. He's got these two huge wounds. He's been punched a shitload. So he he just falls over. He collapses on the ground. And there's a great... His collapse is a screen wipe, yes. which is fun. Yeah, I like that. Uh, uh, yeah, because it's part of like this series of establishing shots showing just who all is here, just how fucked uh, uh, Kira is. And as he falls, he wipes the screen from a shot of Hayato to Jotaro. Mm-hmm. He cannot get back up. He is bleeding pretty bad. And who should come uh, in a situation like that, seeing a bleeding man stumble out of an exploding house, clearly in need of help, but a paramedic, some sort of EM tilf. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. uh, She looks like a relative of the school nurse from the start of Stardust Crusaders, (laughs) potentially related. And yeah, so this woman comes to to assist Kira, asking a bunch of questions. I'm holding up, you know, how many fingers am I holding up and all this stuff. And everyone, all the stand users here are real worried now mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. this dude just got a hold of a lady and he's <laughs> holding her by the hand. Hayato shouts, Kira's already turned that medical lady into a bomb. Yes. <laughs> just on instinct. He can't see shit. He just yep. knows. And Rohan leads in. To whisper in Jotaro's ear, like you should fucking use Star Platinum's like time stopping shit right now. But they're too <laughs> they're too far away. Like you you see a shot here where it's showing like the radius of effectiveness of Star Platinum, and Kira's like really yeah, yeah. far out. He doesn't have the time to reach him, even running full tilt in stopped time. Yeah, and Hayato's also explaining to Josuke and everyone else in, in earshot that like, hey, it's just not that she could blow up. When he is backed into a corner and extremely desperate, his bites the dust power can be activated. That lady might turn into a time travel bomb and he can reset <laughs> all the fucking progress we made. Like, if, if uh, bites the dust goes off now and he just wakes up an hour ago elsewhere, mm-hmm. all he has to do is just not come to this street corner. Yep. It's all he has to do. <laughs> yep. It's real easy to change. If he wanted to get real spicy with it, he could come from around the corner or like turn Rohan's car into a bomb and yes. just take out some dudes while they're meeting fruitlessly mm-hmm. and then just go away. Yep. And so, yeah, everyone's under the threat of restarting from an earlier save, fi- save file <laughs> And losing all of their two hours of progress or whatever. And while Hayato explains this, this This is like the first time Josuke is learning about all the time shit that's been happening. And he's just like, what? (laughs) But but meanwhile, what's Kira doing with his uh, uh, rescuer, this quote, medical lady? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that on her business cards? Medical lady medical lady uh he he is of course getting into murder mode he's talking to her like he talks to his separated hands Mm -hmm. before she's even dead because man uh uh, when when you've lost that much blood i guess your true color colors come out oh yeah Uh, in sanguis veritas they say (laughs) when he's you know he's rubbing his face all over her hand and saying all this this weird shit about how beautiful her hands are and she's just kind of standing there in shock like what the fuck is this if I'm a medical lady and my charge says uh, about my skin, quote, it's so pure, I'd even call it milky. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell everybody like he died. <laughs> uh, He's dead. Everybody get back in the bus. He's dead. Uh, we, we, I'm man. I feel real bad about that. We were too late. He's uh-uh. <laughs> as Kira's doing this. We learned the source of his obsession with hands. His fixation. Yoshikage Kira is an example of what is called first boner theory of fetishes. <laughs> yep. 
So one day, as, as a child at that impressionable young age, he was flipping through a book, and I love this book's title, Everything About Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> he was reading a BuzzFeed listicle that got bound hardcover somehow. <laughs> and he saw the Mona Lisa, and he was taken by, by the beauty, by everything about Miss Mona Lisa, but not her eyes, not her enigmatic smile, not her picture-perfect posture, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the hands. And he blew up a, a like picture of the hands to, to pin upon his wall the way other boys his age would Alyssa Milano or whatever. Yeah, and in the English localization, he describes the feeling he had when he first saw... Mona Lisa's hands, and it is, I quote, I got a rock-hard cock. <laughs> it's, it's a great choice, especially because they knew they'd have to be bleeped on, on like, on Toonami broadcasts. Yeah, yep. There is something about a show that is often crude, but never crosses that line yep. to cross that line that, that's really effective yeah it feels super gross when he says it it's super gross like it, what a freak so he gives his true name to this paramedic and talks about how he's killed 48 women to take their hands because he's sure he's looking at number 49 baby mm-hmm. the first one to actually know him and his identity and his proclivities before the act occurs. Mm-hmm. And this is when Hayato shouts, this is really fucking bad. I can tell that Bites the Dust just got activated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any second now, time will be rewound. And this is when Jotaro decides, okay, f- fuck, I just gotta go for it. <laughs> I gotta... <laughs> so, so the way Bites the Dust works, I mean, we've seen how it works, but the way it is triggered is first the bomb is planted, and then the the button's got to get pushed just like always. Yep. So step one has occurred. There There is a tiny killer queen inside that lady's eyes. Yep. Step two has not yet happened, and that's when, yes, Jotaro is like, time to go. And Josuke's like, hell yeah, I'm with you. And then as Josuke tries to get up, he just falls straight back down because his injuries are really bad. He still has makeshift spears piercing him twice. Yes. Yep. And as Jotaro continues to sprint forward, this is when Kira says, you know, like grabs the lady with Killer Queen and says like, this is this is it. I've been pushed to my limits. And he pushes the button mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you get to see what it looks like to actually go like back in time from Kira's pers- perspective. And it looks cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. First, she explodes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a black cloud sort of envelops Kira and Killer Queen as they pose together. Yes. And then Kira falls through the entire cosmos and and around an array of purple bubbles. Which may be other universes or timelines, maybe? There is a psychedelic mirror warp that resolve into puffy clouds of a beautiful Morio day. Yep. The the weather has more changes than Kira's mood in this episode, I swear. (laughs) And so he celebrates. He celebrates his escape. He is uh, uh, all patched up because those injuries apparently never happened. Mm -hmm. He made it. He's back, baby. Kira's back on top of the world as he's walking around this sort of familiar-ish walled courtyard. And as he's walking there, like there's two little birds that were on perch on a power line. Like and little they, sparrows or whatever. Yeah, little sparrows. And they hop off and they fly away and they fly clean through Kira. And he's like, what the fuck? That's, 
that's not supposed to happen. This is weird. Yeah. And then he remembers, wait a minute, I know how Bites the Dust works. My son and I are maybe the only people who truly do. Mm-hmm. And I've never walked down this way before. This is not where I was an hour ago. This is not my beautiful uh, commute. Wait, what is this? Yeah, and he's like, what fucking time is it? And he goes to check his watch and it's not on his wrist. And he reaches into his pocket and the watch is still destroyed. Well, that's supposed to be undone. Something something is fucking wrong here. And then Raimi Sugimoto's like, <laughs> hell yeah, it is, motherfucker. <laughs> you want me to spell it out for you? I will. And I will enjoy doing it, asshole. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And so, yeah, Kira's just like, excuse me, who the fuck are you? And Raimi's just like, well, I guess I can't blame you. It's, you know, been 15 years. I guess you wouldn't remember me. You didn't even have a stand then. You weren't even cutting off hands then. You were just a little baby murderer, weren't you? Little baby boy. Yeah. And so she, you know, reveals her awful back wound. And that's when... Have I jogged your memory? Do you remember how you died? Yeah, and then she just, like, sticks her whole arm through him to show that, you know, he's incorporeal, and he just screams, like, this bloody scream, (laughs) just freaking the fuck out. Oh, I love this moment of Raimi toying with him and tormenting him. Yeah. Because she's been waiting 15 years for somebody to, to listen to her, and it finally happened. Thank you, good boy Koichi, and can be convinced to be helpful rohan <laughs> yeah and now yeah she she as the only uh, uh victim to make the news to to get like coverage mm-hmm. uh, of his his crimes uh she she is the one to to finally bring down the heat uh after bringing a, a posse of 15 together <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that and there's a nice transition here, you know, when she sticks her arm clean through him and, you know, asking him, like, do you remember how you died? Her hand is, like, right up in front of the camera, and she, like, puts her hand, like, straight up, and then almost like like a game show host, like, revealing what's behind door number one, that hand swoops across the camera, and that reveals how <laughs> Kira died. Much like Clue, the, the final ending is how it actually happened. <laughs> as as uh, Jotaro was rushing forward and froze time to try to buy as much distance as he could to get close, Koichi hit that three freeze. Mm-hmm. And weighed down Kira's hand so he could not push that detonator. Which gave Jotaro enough, enough time to, to rush forward and obliterate every bone in Kira's hand. Yeah, it's like at, when he stops time, he takes one punch to just... <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't punch the thumb clean off. I don't know how it's still on because it's <laughs> bent completely the other way around. Like there's some little chunks <laughs> of the thumb flying off. And then Jotaro takes a moment to just take a deep breath in as like images of everyone who has helped, you know, fight Kira flashes before him. Yeah, I, I love this because like up up to now, part four Jotaro has only been able to stop time for a blink of an eye. And yeah. everybody knows that that is such a terrifying power. They don't fuck with him. Mm-hmm. But it's still just a moment compared to what he could do before. Yeah. However, being inspired by all the friends he's made in town. <laughs> he takes a deep breath and buys enough time to, to do the furious flurry of blows. Yeah, you know, his his part three kicking ass theme from Stardust Crusaders kicks in. And yeah, he delivers about a million punches to Kira, frozen in time. 
fucking cool. He just turns around, doesn't w- look at the explosion, essentially, unpauses time, and all those punches hit Kira all at once. He just, his entire ex- being caves in. <laughs> But br- briefly before this, uh, before we get too carried away, mm-hmm. uh, he th- he mentally thanks Koichi yes. for for uh, buying that moment, for, for thinking quick on his feet, and says, Koichi, you're the most reliable guy I've ever met. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Not like that French guy. What a flake. <laughs> he was always having some sort of poop problems. That's all you could rely on him for. Wish I had you in Egypt with me, Koichi, even though I don't think you were born yet. <laughs> Well, no, he he was at most a fetus. Yeah, yeah. as we know, Kaki and his dad died on that journey. <laughs> uh, yep. So yeah, t- time has restarted. Kira is exploding into jets of blood, but he is still hanging on. Okay, he cannot uh, uh, pu- push that trigger button with his right thumb, but he's got a whole second hand that he's just trying to flop over, like weekend at Bernie'sing himself, <laughs> yeah. his own arm. Mm-hmm. And as he tries to to skirt away, the ambulance that's coming to save him rolls over his head and crushes his skull under the tire. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, he just suddenly got instantly propelled 10 feet in a different direction, which happened to be by accident where that ambulance was going to park. So Mm -hmm. there's a very, very quick, not complete shot where you can see Kira's head just twisting all the way around as that tire drives, rolls over his head. And this is why you fund your emergency services. Yeah. You want to know how many lives Morio's paramedics saved that day (laughs) by executing a man in the street? (laughs) Talk about future lives, future lives. Future lives, yeah. (laughs) Everyone, all the paramedics and and everyone else around, the, the other cops that have shown up, everyone just shrieks. And yeah, freaks they're like, out. oh, we fucked up. We fucked up real bad. But everybody who knows the situation is like, hell yeah, they did it. You're yeah. heroes. <laughs> and uh, the paramedics note, they're trying to ID this guy now, like the cops and other paramedics. And it's just like, we can't Because make- his face was torn off of his skull. Yeah, his face got ripped the fuck off. But that one paramedic that was trying to, to attend to Kira is just like, he told me his real name. Or he told me his name. It's Yoshikage Kira. You know, everyone knows that this guy is actually dead. It's it's not mm-hmm, going to be under mm-hmm. some other dude's identity. So the city employees get to work. Like, they, they identify him. They, they clean the scene. Uh, Kasaku Kawajiri is missing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one is going to tie this dead man to that dead man. <laughs> yep. And all the heroes are just, like, kind of in shock almost. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they were planning a big cathartic fight, and what happened was just a a, a wild accident, essentially. Mm-hmm. But Rohan is pretty cool with it because courts are for losers and the little people. <laughs> Rohan reasons that there is no way you'd be able to actually convict this dude in the court of law because they don't know about ghosts. <laughs> And Haito, th- this hits him most of all because he wasn't here to to stop the bad man. He was here out of, you know, a, an understandably immature, a, a child's impulse for punishment. He he yeah. wanted someone to make the guy that, that killed his father and ruined his family hurt mm-hmm. and, and, you know, bring his crimes to light and have everyone say, you are the bad man. You should not have killed Kasaku Kawajiri. Yeah, yeah. 
it's kind of an interesting ending, at least for the the heroes here, for it not to be like this huge cathartic thing for them, at least. Just being this kind of like, oh, shit. But somebody's getting a piece of that, that oh, action because yeah. Raimi is still torturing Kira's untethered soul. Yeah, and as Kira remembers how he died, a bunch of cracks form along his face since, you know, it got torn off in real life. So, so yes, she has revealed her scars and he recognizes them. Way to be self-centering, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I recognize my work and therefore I remember you. What an asshole to the end. Yep. So Raimi is in sort of the same pose she was when she she showed her scars off in her mm-hmm. first appearance. She's sort of hunched forward with uh, her unzipped dress, just sort of rumpled and shuffled around her, her front and her shoulders. And uh, Kira is standing behind her and comes up uh, alongside her and puts an arm around her and is like, hey, were you trying to get me to look behind? <laughs> Were you trying to get me to, to turn around and look that way down this alley? My dad's a fucking ghost, too, and he knows all about this place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so he, he grabs Raimi kind of like by the chin and tries to force her to turn around instead and get grabbed by the hands. And there's this cool transition where as he grabs her by the chin and turns her around... He still has Kosaku's face, but as he passes behind her and comes out around the other side of her from behind, he gains his original face, his actual Kira face. His Kira face, his blonde Kira hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, it's very good. But but no, this is not some sort of reversal. This is all Raimi's plan mm-hmm. because she had 15 years to figure out exactly what kind of man Kira is, exactly what uh, uh, he'd do. And she's got an ace up her sleeve. Ace the bat hound. That's right. Arnold's here. <laughs> yeah, he's been hiding up in like kind of behind one of those walls, like perched on it and as she's talking about like she's had 15 years to plan you just hear some faint growling in the background and all the way in the very upper left corner of the frame you can see arnold's uh, like demon red eyes begin to glow in the dark (laughs) and so arnold leaps in from above grabs kira by the wrist whipping him around so that he does look in the bad direction and bites his hand clean off Bites his hand clean off. Wow, I get it. So cool. Bites his (laughs) hand clean off. (laughs) Yeah. And so he collapses into the warm embrace of the hell hands. Yep. He calls out Killer Queen to blow up whatever the fuck these things are that are grabbing him. And the hands grab his stand as well and shatter it into many chunks, which causes Kira to also shatter into a bunch of chunks. And not like blood and guts chunks but like a, a marble statue fell down yeah sort of chunks you know he's still alive even as he's been chunkified and he he is utterly terrified he he begs Raimi to tell him where he's going where they're Live gonna by take the him. hand die by the hand motherfucker get out of here <laughs> you know as he's begging this Raimi says like I have no idea where they're gonna take you but wherever it is it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the peace and tranquility you you've been looking for your whole life and he just goes like, oh, God, no. And then he just gets dragged screaming into hell. Yeah, the, the, the purple hell vortex. Yeah. You know, the hell vortex. We've all seen it. Mm-hmm. So now Raimi and Arnold walk out the alley to, to the street alongside the Osen, ready for their turn to pass into peaceful repose. Yep. And Koichi 
is there pleading with Raimi to stay longer because th- this town needs its guardian angel. Quote, I can't imagine life here without you. Mm. Th- that was just for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Apparently, I'm alone in the world, but it's I appreciate pure it. Pure madness. I don't, I, how is there not others? <laughs> Crazy. There has to be a Tumblr account somewhere. Someone, please, someone please point me at it. Because, okay, after... <laughs> After our last recording, or rather while I was editing our last recording, when we talked about the possibility for Jotaro and Shinobu meeting up, and I I did find one <laughs> AO3 fic tagged that way uh, about them having a one-night stand and then mutually declaring their love for one another and being happily ever after. Yeah. And I was displeased because just the idea that Jotaro would act such a way, would say such a thing <laughs> so wildly out of character, it misses what I would find interesting about that matchup. Yeah. Starfinger does come into play. You can guess how. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> God, there is one other quote from that that you sent me that was pretty funny to me. What was it? Let's do it, Jotaro, Shinobu muttered. Jotaro thought to himself, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, he thinks to himself, yada, yada. (laughs) It's so easy. Yeah, this is taking time away from his whale biology. Like, (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Yep, yep. So Koichi's not alone here to say goodbye to Raimi. Little Rohan is there too. Mm Mm-hmm. Koichi's saying, you know, he's really going to miss her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Koichi's just like, Rohan's going to miss you too, right? And Rohan is being a dick. It's like, lol, no, just die already, GTFO. <laughs> You're a ghost already. You're pa- bra- basically dead already. Why should you be sad? You're dead. Like, I can't feel anything. And then Koichi just, like, gives him, like, the death glare. Just like, fucking shut up. Be genuine. <laughs> be genuine for once. She's going to heaven in five minutes. And so Rohan finally gives up and goes like, okay, fine. I'm actually going to miss you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my favorite part of this, I, it's a small correction, but I think it's important. This exchange mm-hmm. starts with Raimi asking, so little Rohan, do you think you're going to cry after we leave for the great beyond? <laughs> <laughs> yes. She starts trying to drag it out of him. And then Koichi like comes in with the assist in the end. Yeah. And so it's not just Koichi and Rohan. Everyone else no, starts to show up. Everybody. Josuke is here next, and he looks pretty good for this being apparently later that day. <laughs> I would expect some crutches or something, but no, he's just got a couple band-aids on his face, yep. which is not where his worst injuries are. <laughs> just really big band-aids under the clothes. I don't know. Even the slug dad has some parting words, although it's mostly gurgles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's not, yeah, it's not just the main cast, but like Yukako is here, Tonio is here, fucking every single person who didn't die and was a stand user is here. Mikitaka's here, the alien. Mm-hmm. They never met. He wasn't introduced until after the big council. Yeah. And they're all here to say goodbye. Okuyasu shedding like a single tear. Old man Joseph is there to tell her that she's like an outstanding woman, I think is what she's, he says. <laughs> all, these, all these heartfelt goodbyes. And Raimi sheds like a single golden tear, which when it hits the ground, like parts the clouds into heaven above. And she just slowly floats. <laughs> and she ascends she in ascends. a beam of golden light. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. 
And there's like a single shot of Rohan alone watching Raimi ascend and his eyes are doing that anime wobbling thing like he's holding back the tears. And so now the the rest of the episode is just epilogues, postscripts for everybody. And I mean everyone. So first, Shinobu is at home that night, well after dark, wondering why her husband hasn't come home from the office. Mm-hmm. And Hayato is is sitting at the dinner table, just like real fucked up, because how do you explain any of this? Yeah. But is it better to leave mom wondering and, and waiting for the rest of her life? Uh I don't know. Uh, so so she comes over and it's like, hey buddy, I wish dad would call, but he'll be here soon, I'm sure. Why don't you go ahead and eat and, and I'll wait and eat with him? And she is trying to JoJo pose, but she shouldn't. <laughs> it does not work. The foreshortening on the weird thing she's doing with her elbow is real bad. Yeah, that <laughs> that pose looks real bad. I noticed it last night too. While Hayato is just straining under the greatest emotional pain of his life, and yep. she kind of notices. <laughs> yeah, and Hayato says, "Like you know what." You know, he he gets goes away from the dinner table, but he changes his mind and says, I'll wait for dad with you as he's like mm-hmm. barely holding mm-hmm. back all these tears as Shinobu remarks, just like, hey, have you gotten a little taller late lately? He really is a speed wagon. He's yeah, like, he's witnessing a family's pain and is moved so much. It's just his own family for once. Mm hmm. It's, it's time for things to end as they began, Koichi narrating. And there's a very significant difference between the sub and dub translations here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the dub, Koichi says Kira swept in like a plague. And the subtitles have Koichi calling him the weirdo this town produced. Yeah. Which, for as much as I enjoy the, the, the punch-up and some wonderfully quotable lines, this is a mistake on the dub translations part. Yeah, yeah. It is so very important to Kira's character and the story that Diamond is Unbreakable is telling for him to be a homegrown, like, thing of Morio in Morio, not, yeah. like, not to be characterized as an aberration that came from without somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the main thrust is just Koichi wondering what the future will hold, how people move on from here. Uh, there are 50 plus p- families waiting for people that will never come, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, Shigechi's parents will never stop waiting for their special little man. Oh, <laughs> and you do see like a shot of his parents just like from the like just their legs, basically just in front of their house, just kind of yeah. looking out towards the road, like hoping that he'll appear. They're related to Nanny from the Muppet Babies. That's all they are, is just legs. Yeah. Uh, and and so he, he's talking about all of these people who like, okay, the damage will not continue, but it still happened. And so everyone is experiencing this grief. And, and do, do we find hope or do we fall into despair? Like, Koichi, you are describing the foundations for a support group. Yep. Now, now that you have some time on your hands, maybe you can, like, make one. You, you can help, Koichi. Yeah, yeah, totally. As Koichi finishes his narration, we transition to the next the next day as mm-hmm. uh, both Jotaro and Old Man Joseph and the Invisible Baby mm-hmm. are in the port of Morio leaving. Joseph has kidnapped a baby <laughs> and is smuggling her internationally. Yep. Yes. Yep. Thanks, Speedwagon <laughs> Foundation, for smoothing things over with my baby smuggling. <laughs> 
And so our, our two past Josephs are, are sailing off into the West and, and they talk about how, you know what? The kid's done good. They've, they've got that, that golden spirit of justice. Whatever else comes out of this fucked up, miserable town. <laughs> they're, they're in good hands, especially, especially my boy, Josuke. He, he was, I'm very proud uh, that he turned out this way and, and glad to have met him. So, of course, he's got to show up. He's running alongside the dock as the, the boat pulls out. He's shouting. He's waving. He's got to say goodbye to his pops. Yep. Josuke's asking Joseph, like, hey, I gave you a picture of mom earlier. Did you keep it? And just is like, yep, kept it in my wallet, just like you told me. And so now you're thinking, oh, this is the setup for some sort of very heartfelt moment. Maybe there will be some sort of stand magic that that zaps that zaps her to the dock to to say hello and mm-hmm. and get some closure with th- this man that's been yeah. <laughs> occupying her thoughts for 17 years, all day and night. No, it's magic pickpocketing. Yep, Josuke just he he kept a small chunk of that photo with him so he can just pull the rest of the picture that is in joseph's wallet to him and he just takes it like fifty thousand yen that's in his wallet and just goes like (laughs) thanks for the money (laughs) and and jotaro's like yeah golden spirit of justice huh cool cool And Jotaro's holding on to the, the invisible baby during this part. And then the camera zooms in on the baby, and the narr- narrator goes, The baby's mother was never found! <laughs> I have to imagine that, like, it would line up. It would line up that maybe that baby was raised by a single mother that mm. was the hand that Shigechi grabbed. Oh, shit, maybe. That would line up, right? Yeah, yeah. After seeing this final episode the first time, and just knowing vague things about later parts... I thought, okay, well, there's not a huge amount of closure on the invisible baby and not too much happened with it. And I thought it would be really important. Therefore, aha, the the narrator says that Joseph decides to be a father one more time and raise this baby as his own. Oh, shit. Maybe this baby is a later Jojo. I thought <laughs> jo- I thought the Jojo from part six, I thought she was going to be the grown up invisible baby. Not the case. <laughs> I really hoped it was, though. No, no. But, but OK, let's just take a moment to appreciate Joseph Joestar's three children. Yes. His infant daughter, his 17 year old son, his 57 year old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not saying you can't uh, be a good parent and adopt a child late in life. I would not, that is a wonderful thing that he is doing. He's providing her a, a life and a structure that an abandoned child on the side of the road could not begin to hope for. This yeah. is a good thing he's doing, but let's be honest, Rosas is raising that baby. Rosas is, is raising the invisible baby, yeah. He's going to be doing a lot of the work. That baby's going to ride on that turtle which is definitely still alive. <laughs> Susie Q has at least that turtle, if not more at this point. That turtle has turtles. Yeah. Maybe Susie Q burns through a lot of the, the Joe Star uh, estate's money buying turtles. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> All right. The, the Speedwagon Foundation has three missions. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, uh, protecting the world from supernatural threats. Number two, promoting the use of fossil fuels and their derivatives <laughs> in worldwide markets. Yeah. Yep. Number three, raising all of Joseph Joestar's children. <laughs> it just keeps happening. Number three occasionally helps with number one sometimes. It, it's an investment in the future. Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, imperative that Joseph keeps having strong-willed hearts of gold babies. <laughs> so, so that's Old Man Joseph's ending for part four. Now it's Jotaro's turn because Morio turns out, has a unique starfish that has <laughs> yep. never been described before. And Jotaro used his incredible, uh, uh, precise powers of marine biologyism to describe this starfish in the literature mm -hmm. to get either a master's or doctorate degree, depending on the translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when the narrator is describing this, we're, we're getting a nice close-up on Jotaro doing a very, very rare smile. Wow. He just loves traveling with Grandpa, because mm -hmm. his last smile was in the plane ride from Egypt. Yes, yes it was. He has not smiled for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And so now we cut over to the Higashikata home, where uh, Josuke's mom, real pissed off that Josuke has drank the juice yet again. So she's going to drink his juice, and that's her ending. That's, that's her ending. It. It, she walks by a, a photo of her and Josuke and, you know, her her dad all happily posing together. But yeah, that's her ending. I wish there was a little bit more with her. Next, Yukiko meets Koichi at Angelo, the murderous rock for young lovers. <laughs> yeah. And talk about having lunch together. Yeah, they hold hands and they're cute. Pan over to uh, Tonio's restaurant where Okuyasu is having yet another delicious meal, but he's brought his goblin dad with him. What if the food heals him and turns, into an, turns him into a normal man again? And his angry murder cat plan. Yeah, he brought that the, the stray cat along with him. It makes a mess if you leave it at home. It, it does. A lot of businesses will say no cats allowed. There are very few places <laughs> I've seen with a sign that says no potted succulents allowed. That's yeah. not a rule. <laughs> and so Okuyasu's dad eats the food and starts to shed all of his hideous green skin. And Okuyasu is psyched that maybe his real dad will, will emerge. But no, his dad just molted. And he's very shiny and very happy, and Okias is like, aw, dang it. But at least he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And who else is dining here but Yuya and his, his crew, the Kruya. The Kruya. But Yuya is just looking even more handsome. His skin is glowing because he had such a delicious meal. And all the girls are fawning over him. And, and they leave. And Tonio's just like, damn, I love when people go to my restaurant. <laughs> Out on the street, Koichi's sister is telling her mother that, hey, I, I saw Koichi holding hands with a girl. Have you heard about this? And she's like, no, it's been weeks. It's been weeks. He's keeping this girlfriend all to himself. He's not letting anybody they know. made out in the middle of a store you were shopping at <laughs> while you were running away from a trample stampede. I understand. Yeah. But still. Yeah. And also out on the street are uh, some of Kira's uh, co-workers from the Kameyu. And they're just like, mm -hmm. he's been missing for a while. And some other people were like, I heard his face got ripped off. That's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, next to uh, uh, the, the Hirasei girls, uh, they're, they're having their gossip. Did, did you notice who, who else was in the shot? Oh, yes. That lady that visited uh, Cinderella earlier, right? Yep. Yeah, the, the bobblehead woman. She's apparently friends with one of the bikers that beat up Hazamata. Yes. And the old lady that was crossing the street in the very first episode. Yes, she is and there. And walking the sidewalk behind them is the mom and baby and baby carriage from the crosswalk in the, enig <laughs> in the Enigma chase fight. Oh my God, there's so many small characters in that bit. 
So, so yeah, the, the Kameyu crew were like, what happened to our boss? He got fucked up and died horribly. Oh, okay. So next, <laughs> Tamami and Hazamata are arguing about water damage to, to a manga and whether there should be financial uh, <laughs> compensation for such. Mm-hmm. Fuck them, moving on. It's time to go to Rohan's place where he's doing his little hand stretch exercises to get ready to draw another mm-hmm. complete... Uh, chapter to his manga and then he does like an anime super saiyan powering up noise as he draws very quickly <laughs> that's how he gets so much emotion in the pictures he screams at them constantly <laughs> <laughs> yeah he should have done that while sketching the uh the cafe in the jankin boy episode <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, a copy of Shonen Jump next to him flips open to a, a panel that a, a full splash panel of uh, Superfly Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So we transition over there and we see Superfly's user, who I always forget the name of. Yeah, yeah. Our two elf roommates are hanging out in Superfly and the 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 former enemy is like, why you always stare at Morio? It's just a fucking weird town. And Mikitaka is like, yes, this is a fucking weird town. That's why I love to look at it. <laughs> yeah. And Koichi begins to narrate, narrate again, saying, you know, this was a very eventful summer, but for most, the summer of 1999 just passed along like any other. They were some pretty great days. Things that happened in the summer of 1999. SpongeBob SquarePants and Napster both debuted. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, pretty great days. Yeah, that's pretty good. I do not recall specifically what I was doing in the summer of 1999, but I do know what I was doing in that fall, mm-hmm. uh, September or October. That was when my family took a trip to uh, uh, Toronto for vacation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I you know, went up the CN Tower and walked on the, the like glass floor in the bottom level of mm-hmm. it. Did a trip to Casa Loma. Some rich dude built a fucking castle on the outskirts of town. <laughs> I think I rode my first subway while there. That was cool. Ooh. The reason that I will always be able to uh, uh, pinpoint the date within a month or so is because that is when I saw one of the farewell performances of the original Toronto run of Phantom of the Opera. Ooh, wow. When they were having, because it was like their their ending, they, they were having a, a rotating stable of guest uh, uh, phantoms. And so I saw Paul Stanley of Kiss perform in the titular role. Oh, my God. From deep, deep in the balcony, I remember seeing very little of, like, the mm. special effects. Just, like, it's a good thing the costuming is very color-coded. There's there's a, a person in black and a person in white and a person in red. I can follow this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my first experience of, like, live professional theater, I think. Mm-hmm. And I never think of this as my origin story, but there is a chance. <laughs> there is a chance that a good deal of the person I am is due to this. Oh, man. Some good formative shit there. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the summer of 1999 was the summer where I went to my first ever amusement park because I'm, <gasps> a, I'm a short person. And so it took me a while to reach the height where I was allowed on any rides, basically. <laughs> and so the first ever amusement park I went to that summer was Michigan's Adventure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A whole summer of fun. Yeah, I had a great time. It's first ever time I went on any type of roller coaster. I went on, what was it? The Wolverine was their big wooden coaster. Michigan's Adventure is famous for Shivering Timbers, I oh, believe. Oh, Shivering Timbers. That's right. That's what it's called. I rode on what I think was called 
Chaos or Chaos Something, which is one of those rides where it's got a bunch of big mechanical arms that have you know seats attached to them and it extends out and it just swings you around really fast and then a year or two later two people died on that ride because their faces Ooh. their heads just got smashed into the concrete below because <laughs> it went too low but yeah th- that that was a good time really enjoyed that that was also the summer where i was taking a lot of um just like art classes mock community college was just having like during the summer, like art classes for kids that you could sign up for. So mm. I, was, I was learning uh, like watercolor painting and, and some other stuff. That was also the one where I had an animation class, which was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty jank, but uh, <laughs> it was, we basically only got to wait, make one full animation and it was just drawn in like normal paper and then just put onto a projector and, and turn like record on VHS tape. Uh, it was of my Sonic the Hedgehog OC throwing a Hell boom- yes. throwing a boomerang at someone else and and waking them from slumber, getting hit with this boomerang. That'll do it, yeah. And I didn't have enough frames of animation, so the final frame was just like, okay, here's how it would actually look like if it ended, and it was just like a still image of the conclusion. Nice. That was also the year where I, the summer where I played Final Fantasy VIII for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, 1999, pretty great days. Pretty, pretty, pretty great days. Also, Dragon Ball Z was on Toonami and Reboot was as well. So I was watching those a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty good, pretty great days. And so the the very final scene, the, the end of it all is Josuke... Okiyasu and Koichi hanging out outside the Osen, also gossiping. There's a lot of gossip in this mm-hmm. town. Everybody's gossiping. Mm-hmm. And and then we we pull out to a just a huge, not even bird's eye, but like plain eye view of of Morio from far, far above. And a little little thing comes up to just say part four, the end. Yep. Should bring up, because it actually kind of matters. The thing they're gossiping about is that apparently somebody saw Rohan shoplifting (laughs) because he's out of money from all of the repairs on his house. He's poor now. And and yeah, it's just uh, the the final thing that they're they're gossiping about here. Okiyasu's just like, no way, I don't believe that. And Josuke's like, well, I guess we just gotta find out. And they're just gonna go peep on Rohan, see what he's doing. And he strikes a sassy <laughs> pose. <laughs> That's it. That mm-hmm. is the end of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Four: Diamond Is Unbreakable in its thirty-nine episode run. Mm-hmm. I like the ending a lot. It's a good ending. I wish there was even more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we say that every time. But even so, the conclusion's pretty good. I kind of... Josuke's mom gets dealt a pretty short hand in yeah. this this series of epilogues. Like, I understand with the uh, philosophy of adaptation they're, they're going for, that mm-hmm. if she never met Joseph in the pages uh, uh, of Araki's manga, they're not going to do it in the show. So that couldn't be the ending. Yeah. Uh, but 
something besides, damn, he ate my snack cake again. Well, I'm going to drink his fucking juice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a very good moment for her that would have belonged in any other episode. It just doesn't feel like enough to be her epilogue, her her farewell moment. I agree. I wish there was a little bit more with her. Just because also like, you know, she's a minor character, but I like her a lot. (laughs) I've always (laughs) wanted more scenes with her. I wanted her to be able to participate in one stand fight somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, also no powers or anything, but just beating the shit out of a guy regardless. (laughs) (laughs) Which she has done and will do again, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, she, she's got to play it safe. She's not related to any more cops. She's uh, got- <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that that is the the ending. I can't believe we're we're done with part four already. Mm-hmm. Well, sort sort. Of. There of. is, of course, plenty more to talk about, and we will do that next time with a very special guest coming to talk about all of uh, uh, part four, but specifically these ending portions: uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kosaku Kira, uh, Miki Taka. All of these things that that happened and developed since uh, uh, since we talked to Sarah all those weeks ago. And then, of course, we won't be fully leaving part four, kind of, because before we move on to part five, there's a couple little spinoffs to check out. Uh, we have the four episode spinoff series, The Spoke Kishibe Rohan, mm-hmm. a, a series of side stories focusing around Rohan. And then we also have the uh, not animated, I hope it gets animated one day, that'd be cool, Rohan at the Louvre, mm-hmm, which was mm-hmm. a manga made specifically for the Louvre. <laughs> Just Rohan business? <laughs> Just Rohan business. It's all pretty good business, though. They're all they're all fun stories. We've done manga comparisons before. We've had guests come on uh, to talk about specifically that, but we've never had that be the meat and potatoes of mm-hmm. our discussion before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so look forward to that in some week's time but look forward more to next week episode 52 Mm -hmm. and you know what 52 is what it's the number of weeks in a year oh shit you know what this episode is what it's the first one to go up after the one-year anniversary oh, man. Of, of episode one going live. Uh, last week's is a lot closer, but it's like, it came <laughs> out like the day before the one-year anniversary. Right. So yeah, this is the beginning of year two. Oh my and God. so uh, uh, a little while ago, you and I talked about our feelings about recording for a year. And now I'd like to ask our listeners to share their thoughts about listening for a year. Yeah. If you've been here all along or just a year's worth if you caught up somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. i'd love to hear what you think about a year of bizarre podcast dogs must die either in the comments on the youtube mirror or uh, uh commenting on the soundcloud uh, uh page for this episode mm-hmm. or in the form of uh, uh reviews on spotify or apple podcasts yeah the reviews always help mm-hmm or just talking on social media. If you tag me, I'd love to read that. I mm-hmm. I do love reading uh, uh, these things. That, that's why I mentioned the comments, because I read them. I read them often. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have a lot of fun with them. Oh, yeah. This has been a ton of fun. I'm glad there's still plenty more JoJo to talk about for probably another year or so. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how many more uh, uh, side stories we do, uh, how, how much fun we have at the Louvre. Yeah. How, how much we want to do between the end of part six and the possible beginning of part seven. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, if anything, when we reach the end of part six, whenever that happens, like there will probably be a decent amount of progress into that spinoff Josuke and whole horse manga. 
mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I have not read yet still, but I've heard it the the first chapter or first chunk that's out or whatever has a- it actually been pretty good. So I read a scanlation of the first chapter. I like it. I do. Okay, cool. It seems like it has to do a lot with like the remaining stand you servants of Dio, essentially dealing with like Dio based PTSD or something. Yeah, it's a, it's like a combination of PTSD and cult reprogramming. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun angle to come from. It I like that. Really is. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. I got to read this. And then you get like, yeah, uh, Kakuin's cousin or or niece or cousin. Yeah. Huh. All right. I've only read the first chapter. The second chapter at the time I'm saying these words has also been released. So mm. I don't really know what happens in it. But right. those two threads have not met yet. They are just two threads that exist. Okay. If this could flesh out Kakuin stuff more, I would be down with that too. Even though he's already dead in this spinoff. Love that Kakuin. Just, just the angle of like, what is life for these survivors post-Dio? Mm-hmm. It seems very much written for a fan with my priorities in mind. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes for sure. Also, when it was announced, I wasn't expecting this, but it seems to take place before Diamond is Unbreakable. Yes. Like, it's Josuke having a stand adventure before he meets Koichi and his nephew and etc., etc. Mm-hmm. The beginning of Diamond is Unbreakable didn't really establish that Josuke had never seen stands before, <laughs> so... No, just not a. He's already being creative enough to swallow gloves, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like he he's been doing some shit. Yeah, yeah. Down for eventual more Josuke stuff too. I, I like him. We got a lot of thoughts on part four, but we'll be saving those for for next episode. So I guess until then, we'll see you later. To be continued. Mm-hmm.